0: From Islamic Finance News, the world's leading Islamic finance news provider, this is IFN Podcast. The mainstreaming of digital lending has overhauled the risk landscape for banks and financial institutions. How should financial institutions adapt? My name is Vinza Tan, and in this episode, we speak to Guru Raghavendran, the Senior Vice President of Banking Practice at Accenture Software, to further explore this phenomenon of risk and analytics within the financial industry. Guru, thank you so much for joining us today. Now, digital lending is fast becoming the preferred method of borrowing for consumers, Some would even characterize the progress of digital lending into different phases or generations. For example, phase one, focusing on origination, phase two, execution and customer experience, phase three, seamless integration, et cetera, et cetera. How would you describe it?
1: Thank you for the question, Manita. The way I look at it is, uh, if you look at the entire population of the globe, uh, around 8 billion population, we split them into banked and unbanked. If you look at it, uh, close to uh, 1.5 billion adults are still unbanked. They don't even have a banking account. I'll give this context to answer your question. And uh, of the balance who are banked, close to 4 billion don't have access to credit. Though they have a bank account, they don't have access to credit. So this is on the retail side. Let me take a minute to explain the the SMEs or micro segments. There again, if you look at the the global uh, trade finance gap, you know, it's increased to $2.5 trillion in 2022 compared to $1.7 trillion in 2020. Now, the key part is, or, you know, if you look at SMEs contribute to 40% of the GDP of an economy. And on the other hand, 40% of SMEs uh, trade finance applications are rejected by the banks. Now, if you look at this as the context, uh, is where the digital lending came into picture. And if as we speak today, it's growing at 26%. And last I know is market is being valued around $334 million in 2021, in fact. Now, with this prerequisite, if you look at what is digital lending doing is it's trying to get the unbanked population into banking, number one. Number two, the people who have bank accounts, how can they get access to credit? This is the population we're talking about. So when you look at this as the context, the originations become important. Nevertheless, origination of different customers, different types of customers. So you you look at the complexity of customers, banked, unbanked, who have credit history, you don't have credit history, SME, retail. This is a complex set, segment of customers whom we have to onboard and originate. So that's the complexity of the originations. Now, uh, it, it becomes important. I mean, now, since this is the kind of customer, and also on the other hand, we have Gen Z. They want everything at a snap of a finger. They, they treat bank like a Starbucks. You go to a Starbucks, I want this cup, this coffee, this coffee, instant gratification. So you have two segments. So origination is equally important. But in order to be successful, uh, there is necessary customer service excellence, which is important too. And the last being a question on integrations. This origination and servicing will be uh, successful only you have necessary integrations as the base. So I would say all three are important, but in terms of go-to-market, to come with a minimum viable product, we should take one product and look at it end-to-end, origination, servicing, integrated with APIs. That's the approach I think uh, would be appropriate.
0: So Guru, you've mentioned some very, really good points, including the fact that you know for digital lending, it's improved financial inclusion, right? So there is no denying that digital lending or digital finance would do that, but we also cannot deny the fact that it also creates this target-rich environment for hackers. So what is your assessment of the risk landscape for digital lending?
1: Uh, fantastic question, Vanita, because most of us focus on the growth of digital lending, but what is it You know, given to the fraudsters has not been much of focus. Great question. Now, if you look at it, uh, you know, there's no doubt that digital frauds have increased. Because the more we spoke about personalized journeys for each customer, that's the kind of segment when it comes to even fraudsters to attack. So, as a result, uh, there is no one-size-fits-all when it comes to risk management framework. Because during origination, you've applied complex techniques, personalized techniques. So, there is no one-size-fits-all when it comes to risk management to care, take care of the fraudsters. So, let's take a minute to look at the touch points. How is the digital lending happening? It starts with the app. Then it's the device. Then it's the network, which Wi-Fi or a public Wi-Fi, private Wi-Fi. What kind of integrations? What kind of validations? Scorecard assessments? These are the various touch points in the digital lending journey. And the fact is, you want to do everything in two three minutes. Let's take an example of app. In you know, I'll, I'll give an example where in one of the countries like Reserve Bank of India, they've discovered you know close to six hundred illegal loan applications around AP eighty app stores. So. That's, that's the risk. That's the risk. Second, the device itself, you know, device itself today, along with the growth in population, everybody owns a device, 90% of the population today owns a mobile device. And I was talking to my ex colleague who works works in the leading bureau, who mentioned that 60% of the digital transactions are via mobile device. And it has led to an increase of 48% mobile frauds. So the device is also a component, the network. The integrations. Are we having the right integrations, right parties, the validations? So I think uh, if you look at it, the risk landscape uh, comes at a point for digital lending where each touch point of data becomes important. So in order to, we'll have to evaluate each touch point, you know, in a in a in a serious way of tech-based result, uh, analytics-based result. How do you assess the touch point of all of the points to take care of the risk capabilities?
0: Now correct me if I'm wrong. Um, Guru, it sounds to me right, like all this risk that we are facing when it comes to digital lending. So you mentioned fraud, uh, loss of privacy, compromised data security, so on and so forth. They all essentially boil down to also the misuse and abuse of data. So what are the biggest pain points or challenges that we face in ensuring data integrity and data safety?
1: Absolutely. I think this is the most uh, important part, which most of us uh, do not realize, because I will use the word digital footprint. Everything we do on the internet, we leave a digital footprint. Uh, whether it's a Twitter post or a comment on the Facebook, or I'm sharing a LinkedIn post, you know uh, that's on the social media. Similarly, uh, I'm doing digital payments using Google Pay, Amazon Pay. I'm leaving a digital footprint in every transactions that I'm doing on the internet. So these these are footprints. This is what I call a digital footprint. You know the challenge is how do you regulate this digital footprint? And most of us most of us leave a, a digital footprint unknowingly today. So that's why how do you regulate this? Number one, and what happens? I mean we have, we've seen the fact that a lot of them create fake profiles and for example in Meta, fake fake profiles using identity Threat. So that's a big challenge. And even if you get uh, AI ML models to work you will look at the data points, they work on a set of data that is provided to them. What stops the fraudsters from creating data sets that AI and ML can understand? So so broadly looking from digital footprint point of view, the challenges that I foresee uh, as we speak today is regulating the unregulated data points. How do you regulate them? Number one, and the financial institutions should have sophisticated verification capabilities which are missing today. What happens when there's a data breach? Email IDs are leaked. Done. Once you have an email ID leaked, if that is the uh, a key point for getting a digital finance, once data breach, email ID is leaked, you have a challenge there. An increased use of uh, synthetic identities, that's a big challenge. And most important of all of it is, like I started off, how many of us are aware that we're leaving a digital footprint? Is there an education? Are we educating the right set of people, right set of segment? What are they doing on the Internet? What to share, what not to share? I think that's a big thing, educating the population on, you know, the frauds that can be committed when, when they leave a digital footprint. This is what uh, I would call what, what comes to the top of my mind in terms of the challenges.
0: Absolutely. I mean, education aside, um, you know, you talk about regulating unregulated data points, You know, um, you know, having sophisticated data verification processes. Um, I wonder if you could expound a little bit more on how do we actually manage this risk? Because, you know, they, they are very pertinent. Um, perhaps even talk about, you know, the use of advanced analytics in not only risk management, but also perhaps engineering new financial products.
1: Absolutely. Uh, I'll take two examples. One on the on the risk management provisioning side and other on the, on the customer acquisition side. The provisioning side, uh, all of us know the uh, the regulation on expected credit loss (ECL). Uh, certain developed markets they call it current expected credit loss. So th- that's a good thing where uh, this expected credit loss, which which calculates the provisions required to be maintained by the financial institution, is based on regression-based models. So there are analytics used for the right use cases, like coming up with the expected credit loss, which in turn calculates the. Probability of default, expected default, etc. So that's that's a positive use of the uh, analytics which are used by the institutions, and it's also uh, you know supported by the regulator from a bank perspective. Let me give an example, In customer acquisition perspective. One of the use cases that we worked very closely was uh, there is a bank uh, which is having liability customers, and they want to grow the asset portfolio. Now, how do they grow the asset portfolio? There were a couple of options, but what they decided to do was they wanted to grow the asset portfolio uh, with limited risk by cross-selling asset products to the liabilities base. So what we did with the bank was using advanced analytics, we did an analytical model uh, to understand the liabilities base. First model was, for example, building a income estimation model, because when you open a savings account, you don't really give your income paper because you're opening account with them. So we built an income estimation model. Post that, we built a probability of default risk, et cetera, to build a model against what kind of loan can we give to that existing liability customer and propensity to buy a car, a home, etc. So you have a liability base on which you build income estimation model. Then you build another model. Okay, this is the kind of loan this person can get or a finance this person can get. And what are the finances likely to take, whether he will take a car loan, whether he take a home loan, or you think he needs a personal loan. So it was positively used to use these models to create a pre-approved facility for the liability customers, where they can go online into their banking app and select the pre-approved facilities and get a facility within two, three minutes. So this is how uh, it's not only the risk and analytics is always seen from the lens of, uh, on the on the negative side of losses, but they're also seen on the lens from the positive side of how to increase the customer wallet share, how to make it uh, interesting for the customer to have an experience since I already have his data points with me to give a facility that matters to him. So this is how the risk management practices can be used to engineer new financial products for different set of segments.
0: Right, right. And so in terms of, you know, we talk about risk and analytics within the digital lending space. What trends do you think we can anticipate moving forward?
1: Quickly, I mean, in terms of trends, if you look at it, uh, there are so many segments today. I mean, I think I'll, I'll go back to the first question on the unbanked and uh, people who don't have access to credit, though they are banked. So all this while the need was for a more accurate underwriting, increased access to data, the control and transparency, reduced cost for the borrowers, whereas increased return for the savers, and fast and customer-friendly. These were the key characteristics required for future lending models based on the alternate data that are coming in. And on the other hand, customers' expectations continue to raise. They are looking at a full virtual experience. They want everything to be customer-driven. You know, tech, uh, higher expectations, segment-based. Let me take an example of segment-based. There's a colleague of mine uh, who's built a a fintech. If you look at the segment that he's focused on, is those set of entrepreneurs whose credit score has gone bad due to COVID and know the reason. Now, with that segment, he's offering them a credit because he knows the credit score went bad and nobody else will give them a finance. And he's aware of the fact that the credit score went bad only because of COVID. That's a segment by itself. So look at the niche segment that he's targeting and building a, a business. So, so you'll see that more and more markets will get discovered, uh, like the example I gave you, and more and more. If you look at digital lending as friends, uh, it's moving from uh, from from cloud, from APIs, microservices, further evolving to open interfaces, uh, to to the aggregators, uh, plug and play, data AI, programmable, etc. The entire thing is moving to an open banking and open API world.
0: That's really interesting. So, one final question before I let you go, Guru. Now despite you know the global financial system becoming increasingly reliant on digital infrastructure, it is still unclear who is responsible for protecting the system against cyber attacks. Do you agree? And who do you think should be responsible? What
1: kinds
0: of systems do you think should be in place?
1: Interesting, because uh, if you look at the different ecosystem, different stakeholders today, uh, there are financial institutions within that segment of fintech. There are regulators. I mean, there are big techs. So, so how do you pin the responsibility? So I, I, I I mean, starting with, I mean, I'll just take a a minute or so. If you look at financial institutions, they are the one who is taking the risk of giving a loan or giving the finance. So they should have the uh, tested tech for authenticity of the data source as well as the data. For example, I'll give an example in e-commerce. One of the stats is that a legitimate user has 5.68 social media media presence compared to an online platform. Now, whether we assess in e-commerce or no, no idea. Do the the FIS assess that? Do they have that as a data point? No. On the other hand, similarly, same example for uh, who gets a, a loan online, the social media presence is between five and six profiles and online presence before he takes a loan. So do we assess these points? Do we have this intelligence to do this is an important point. So I think FIs are equally responsible to have the right data points and right tech. Second is the regulators. If you look at regulators, they are coming up with digital initiatives to make sure you know, financial inclusion is in place. When they do that, uh, it's important they also put regulations in place. For example, as we speak today, there are laws on anti-money laundering very clearly which with the str reports ctr reports to be submitted but the laws on anti fraud is yet to be regulated and formalized uh, which will report to a statutory body i think regulators also have an equal play so it's 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 a blend of uh, fis regulators and how do you have the capability to study the device the data sources etc so i think uh, you know if you look at it i think it's equal responsibility for all some some countries i've seen associations formed like digital lending association where there are uh, representatives from uh, financial institutions regulators trying to drive this but uh, it's a long way to go
0: thank you for listening for more discussions on the islamic finance industry log on to www.islamicfinancenews.com you can also listen to IFN podcasts on your favorite platforms including itunes and spotify